Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega and uh, it is 4.11 p.m. on Wednesday, July 8th. Happens to be my mom's birthday. She died, I think, in 2002. Uh, may she be well in heaven. Um, I want to actually start this episode off religiously. Again, uh, I tend to be religious. Um, 80 to 90% of you out there either believe in God or higher power. So this is important because religion, to a great extent, is about virtue. It's about pleasing God. It's about doing what's right, about compassion. And uh, so, you know, the reason I'm starting off with religion is because, um, you know, part of what I'm going to be doing is accusing you of, of being extremely evil, you know, and, and that's not something that I can do very easily because I like people and I like to help people. The reason I'm doing this show is because I see that civilization is in trouble and, and I'm trying to help however I can. Back in 2003, I actually on the same White Plains community media television station premiered a uh, television series, 138 episodes called The Happiness Show. You see a sign I used behind me as a prop for the, uh, for the set. And it was about making people happier, helping people become happier. So, so let's, let me, explain this evil in a bit more detail, then we'll go through other stuff. Um, I'm not a fundamentalist, literalist in terms of the Bible. I, I believe that the universe, the known universe that we're familiar with is 13.8 billion years old, like science says. Um, I don't believe there was a Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve, I believe in evolution, but the Bible can be instructive, you know, through metaphor. Uh, for example, um, not many people know that, um, that before the flood, remember Noah and the flood, like God decides that everybody's so evil, everybody had just descended so much that he decides to just like flood the entire world and just start off with, with Noah and his family and just repopulate the world. What, what most people don't know is that before the flood, um, I think it's called antediluvian, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, before the flood, um, God allowed people, no, no, God commanded, before the flood, people were vegan, you know, Basically, nobody ate, according to the Bible, of course, nobody ate meat. Everybody was vegan. And then God decided that humanity had fallen so much from grace that after the flood, he allowed um, people to start eating flesh, animals. And, um, but here's something that... Um, that most people don't think enough about, you know, people, one of the reasons people 
don't feel as guilty as you should for eating these animals in these conditions. I'm not saying like two, 300 years ago when eating meat was absolutely necessary to one's survival that one should have felt guilty for that. But in today's world where people eat meat that comes from animals that are tortured so horribly, you know, treated so horribly, um, over 70,000 of them, billion of them a year. Um, it's something you should um, understand your, your complicity. And like, what people don't understand is like, people defend themselves by saying, well, God, you know, God allows us to eat animals. You know, eating animals is not prohibited, you know, anymore. Um, but that's not the point. You know, the point isn't, you know, yes, God allows you to eat animals, but God does not allow you to, to abuse and, and, and be cruel to animals and, and, and pay people to, to literally torture them. You know, if, if you know what, what goes on in factory farms, you know that these, 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 these animals live horrific lives. Um, how horrible is this? You know, you'd be less evil if you owned a slave than, than, than the way you treat animals. You know, and, 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 and if you had a choice between being a slave or being in the Holocaust, these are the two most horrible things that, that I can think of that, that, that happened to people. Um, if they were giving you a choice between the three, you would choose, you know, to either be a slave or be in the Holocaust than be one of these animals in these farms, probably. You know, that, and so you understand how horrible these conditions are. So, um, all right, so, so basically I'm, I'm saying this because yes, what you're doing is evil, but you also, you have to understand that I'm not a conventional, I'm Jewish actually, you know, I'm, I'm not conventional in my beliefs though. Um, back at the time of the common era, when the common era began, when Jesus was around, there were three main Jewish sects. Um, denominations. Uh, there were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Now the Essenes were by far the, the smallest of the, the three sects, but according to Josephus, uh, a famous Jewish historian, they were by far the most pious. And they, I believe, incidentally, were, were vegan. But what one of their beliefs that I hold is that, that you know, there, was, there were three beliefs, you know, one belief, the Pharisees, the Sadducees believe that, that we have complete free will in everything. Everything is, we do is up to us. The Pharisees had the belief that we have a free will to do what we want only in moral matters, in the matters of deciding right and wrong. Everything else is fated, is up to God, you know, with his sovereignty. And the Essenes believe that because God is sovereign, because God is all-powerful, omnipotent, the creator, all-knowing, because God is everything, God controls everything. And that's the view I hold. Um, and incidentally, uh, there are four top scientists in the world that modern scientists that, that you know, no, no other scientists compare to them or not in their, their league. They're, there are Einstein, Freud, Darwin, and Newton, Isaac Newton. 
and, and all four of them coming from the three different scientific disciplines of physics, biology, and psychology, all four of them refuted free will. Uh, they didn't believe it. They, they understand that free will is, is <laughs> we don't have it. So I know we're like, the reason I'm saying this is like, when I tell you that this is evil, that what you're doing is really, really evil, and that you're inviting future pandemics, and you're, you know, your evil is responsible for this one, you know, you should understand that I'm saying this from that perspective, that I don't blame you to any degree. It's not your fault. God made you this way. You know, if you want to blame someone, you, you have to blame God. I try not to blame God. I try to tell myself, well, I'm not intelligent enough, nor do I have enough information to judge, you know, the creator of, of, of the universe, you know, to judge God. So, but again, like, so, so when, when I, when I tell you that, that you're being really evil, understand it from that perspective. I'm not asking you to feel guilty about your evil, to hold yourself fundamentally responsible. And naturally you could see how that makes it easier for me to tell you what I, what I feel you need to know for your own benefit, for the benefit of your children and grandchildren and future generations. Um, okay. So, um, now if you, you know, if you believe that Darwin and then Freud and Einstein and Newton are wrong, um, if you believe in free will, well then yes, I guess you'd want to feel really guilty and, and um, really bad about this, but maybe that, you know, that's what you need to awaken your conscience. So, so I'm starting in that way just so you understand my perspective. Um, so let's, let's move on to the rest of the show. Um, now this, this, this series, this information, this message that I'm, that I'm telling you in about like 10 different steps, there's, there's, there's about four or five components to it. It's so important that, that I will be, you know, every Monday through Friday going over the information over and over and over until you get it. You know, it, it's something that, that you have to overcome your denial of what you're doing in order to see what you're doing objectively, to understand how wrong it is, and to understand that if you believe in God or a higher power and in justice, divine justice, and in this idea of karma, what goes around comes around. If you believe there is justice and mercy, then um, you'll understand that, that this coronavirus is punishment for what you're doing. I don't hold everybody complicit in this. Uh, they're about here in, I think in the United States, there are 2% of us, 3% perhaps, who are vegan. I'm a vegan. I've been a vegan for over 15 years. I don't blame us because we're not part of the problem. You know, many of us are trying to solve the problem. But, you know, if, if, if you, you know, if you believe in free will, you're probably in denial, you know, of, of, of what you're doing because it is so horrible because you blame yourself. And uh, so anyway, so like, um, yeah, this is like, you know, the only way we're going to get through this is if you, you know, I mean, all right, let's just, let's, if, let's say you don't buy any of this justice, morality, you know, this divine judgment perspective. Um, it's not that the series doesn't have any relevance to you. Let's say you're an atheist. No, it, it has a lot of rel relevance because like, aside from all that, aside from the entire aspect of evil, which I'm going to keep 
um, stressing because 80, 90% of you do have this perspective, to at least to a certain extent. Um, but even if you didn't, you have to understand that what you're doing, paying people to farm animals in these factory farms, uh, 70 billion a year torturing, this is what's causing these pandemics. You know, these pandemics don't just happen in factory farms, they happen in small farms also. The 1918 Spanish flu is a perfect example, it killed perhaps 50 million people. Um, all right, so anyway, so I'm gonna, again, repeat this information over and over, every Monday through Friday, until, until you get it, until I, I see evidence that, that basically, the message behind this is that the way to solve this problem, since like, I don't believe very few, very many of you are gonna go vegan. So I, I believe that, that, um, that we need another alternative. And fortunately, you know, there's this expression that God closes a door and opens a window. So like, yes, God apparently seems to be telling us, hey, enough is enough with abusing and torturing animals. But at the same time, God is providing an, an opportunity to eat as much meat, dairy, and eggs as we want in a way that is not only cruelty-free, that doesn't involve any animal cruelty, but, but it's actually healthier for us. You know, um, for example, the number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease. The number one cause of heart disease is meat consumption. That's not a coincidence. It's not just a coincidence. Um, the meat we eat, because it's, it comes from animal, often it contains fecal matter. It contains microbes like salmonella and E. coli. You know, it's just like, and it contains harmful ingredients like cholesterol. So like this, this new cellular agriculture industry that God just presented to us in 2013 when, when Mark Post presented his proof of concept in London, introducing this technology to the world. This, this, this new technology has to grow meat. It's, it's essentially about growing the meat in labs, taking a cell and making it reproduce in a lab. And those conditions have to be completely sterile for it to work. You know, you can't introduce microbes into the process and have it work. So, so that's why this process would lead to a relatively, perhaps not completely, but relatively enough pandemic-free future for us. It's the best and the only reasonable um, way we have of being safe from pandemics and of, of like protecting also our economy, you know, our way of life, our prosperity. So, um, so I'll know my message has gotten through when the United States government, you know, who, who's just spent almost $4 trillion on addressing the economic collapse that has been caused by this, you know, closing of society of the economy through this pandemic, that after spending $4 trillion to fix that, that they have, a, they have the, the foresight, the judgment, the prudence to spend $50 billion on this new industry. Because like, if, if, they, if they don't, 
at the current rate of funding for this brand new industry, it may take 10, 15 years for these products to come to market at competitive prices in your supermarket so you can eat them and so we can have a pandemic-free world. Um, but if, if we spend $50 billion, just, just recruit a, a, an army of, of, of researchers, give them all the, 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 the resources they need, the machinery, the lab equipment, just, just really ramp up this, this, this research and development that's needed to scale up the technology so we can, so we can sell these, you know, manufacture and sell these products at a competitive price. Um, we, um, I lost my train of thought, but anyway, the, um, that's, that's when I'll, when I'll know when the mess has gone through, when, when, when we're wise enough to spend that money to do that research, to get these products to market. All right. So we got about 11, 11 minutes. We're not going to go through every, everything today, which, cause I thought it was important to, uh, to go over this morality and this religious perspective and the free will perspective. But um, what, I, um, what I did earlier today, uh, again, you hear people say that this, this pandemic is an 100-year event, you know, because the Spanish flu of 1918 was 102 years ago. It, it actually lasted until 1920, so I guess it is an 100-year event, literally, you know, to the year. But what I did earlier today is like, I don't know if you can see this, I made a, um, I don't know if you can see this, yeah, um, a graph. I went to the wiki page on um, list of epidemics throughout history. And, and yeah, well, I think what I'm gonna do is, is basically to demonstrate that this is not a 100 year event, I wanna go through some of this. And like, first, you know, and, and I just like those, they had all dif different kinds of epidemics and some of them are insect born. And so I excluded those. You know, I just, I focused just on the ones that are transmitted from animals to humans. Cause this is why we're going through this. You know, in other words, like the, the sanitary conditions in these factory farms are so, so beyond horrible that they are perfect breeding grounds for pandemics. And, um, Actually, I'm, I don't think I'm gonna go through this today because it's a bit too complicated. I'm just like gonna make one, a, a few points today and then go over it in more detail once I get a, a bit more organized. But anyway, the, 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 um, the first influenza that, that's recorded was back in 1200 before the common era, okay? And um, then, um, then between 165 and 180, of the common era AD, if you're Christian, um, there was what they think was a smallpox um, epidemic. Um, and I guess it was a pandemic back then. It was, it, the animal source was probably a rodent, they're just guessing on this, and it killed between five to 10 million people. Okay, then, then 70 years later, they had another uh, smallpox pandemic that killed a million people. Then the big one, you know, the big one was between 541 and, and 42 of the common era. It was the bubonic plague, which was a bacteria. You know, all these other, you know, pandemics, epidemics are virus um, 
caused. And, and, and like, you know, factory farms are breeding grounds for both bacteria and virus-borne contagious diseases. You need to understand that. So anyway, like the bubonic plague came, comes, came from rodents and then cats carry it. And it killed about 25 to 100 million people back then, which was about 40 to 50 percent of the European population. It was, it was basically limited to Europe. Um, so um, again, you have a, a lot of different um, <coughs> pandemics. Um, you have, for example, the, um, let's see, measles, the first outbreak break of measles that's recorded was 1592 to 96 and that that came from cattle see all these all these pandemics came from the domestication of animals before we farmed animals there were no pandemics because there was no mechanism for this transmission you know that's that's you know that's important to understand so like all right in, in 1648 there was ye yellow fever which came from a monkey um just to like uh, all right, the big one was 1918 to 1920, Spanish flu. It was influenza, influenza A subtype H1N1. That's important because we have different variations now, this influenza type A, um, which I'll go into. And that, that, that you know, came from a pig or, or a bird, they're not sure. But that killed between 17 million and 100 million people, probably more, you know, easily more than World War II, the war killed. Um, the, the standard number is about 50 million killed. Um, so that's 1918. So like, you know, um, all right, no, no. Sorry. Um, 1929-30, uh, coinciding with the depression they had, they had parrot fever, which came as various birds, not just parrots. Uh, and that didn't kill that many people. That just killed over 100. But, you know, some of these, some of these epidemics don't reach, the, they're just outbreaks. They don't reach the, the status of an epidemic or a pandemic. A pandemic is when, when it's so contagious that you know, throughout the world, you know, people get it and, and die and all. So anyway, so like, just moving to 1981, this, this pandemic is still active. It's called HIV AIDS. And it, it, it is said to have come from a chimpanzee, okay? And it's already killed between 23 and 48 million people. It's still killing people. Um, but the other point I want to make is that um, since then, again, that's 1981. Well, go 20 years after that. And that's when things really scale up in terms of like new, brand new diseases, uh, 2002-2004, there was SARS, or the Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. It was a coronavirus. It's a, a variation of what we're experiencing now. It came from exotic animals, and they were lucky. It only killed 774 people. Um, let's go to 2009-2010, the swine flu, um, influenza, or that, that came from bigs. I'm, I'm getting into too much detail. So like, basically what I'm trying to say is like, between 2000 and the present, you've got Ebola, Rift Valley fever, uh, hepatitis B, um, MERS, Middle East 
respiratory syndrome, um, avian flu, um, hepatitis E, e hepatitis A, um, Nipah virus. These are all new diseases that, you know, these are not, they didn't have these 100 years ago. They didn't have these, you know, 50 years ago. These are new diseases that come from so much factory farming. And then how do they spread? You know, they spread because there are so many people on the planet and people travel on, on airplane. Fortunately, a lot of these haven't spread all that much, but they could. And, and, and we're seeing that they could now with this coronavirus, this COVID-19. So now we're at COVID-19, 2019 to the present. It's the COVID-19 virus. It's, it's, it's called, the type of virus is called COVID-19, you know, forward slash SARS-CoV-2. And it's transmitted from either wildlife, like a bat directly to a human, or more likely wildlife like a bat to a an animal like a civet, you know, the, the one of these animals that they raise, you know, these wild animals they raise for whatever, and to a human. So like, and you know, so so far, uh, COVID nineteen has killed five hundred forty six thousand people, and and you know, everybody understands what what else the harm it's done. So like, this is this is this is why it's so important to understand that no, this is not a one hundred year event. Um, again, like, it's not just that these pandemics, these epidemics are so much more contagious because so many more people travel. And I've got a, 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 some information on that. I'll, I'll get more detailed information in a future episode. But it's also because of deforestation. In other words, like, bats a lot of times live in forests. When we cut down the forests and, domestic, and, and civilize those areas, use them for, for us, well, that brings these wild animals into closer contact with us, okay? And, and the third major factor behind this, this really massive, you know, taking off of these infectious diseases is factory farming. Even as, as far back as 100, 150 years ago, we didn't have um, this kind of risk that we have now because we didn't really have the, 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 um, this kind of factory farming. It's not, I'm not saying that, um, that family farming is completely safe either. You know, we're, we're gonna have to like, basically, if we really wanna be safe and prudent and, and good to our kids, grandkids to the future, we need to stop all farming of animals. So, and again, the way to do this, I've got about a minute left. The way to do this is to grow our meat and dairy and eggs in labs and you know, we need research funding. Researchers need funding. You know, they're, right now, altogether, they probably have about $200 million invested in this when it really should be like $50 million. All right, so anyway, I didn't get through much of the material today, which is fine, but I think I covered some important points. And um, I'll cover this again tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow I'll have some information on how much more air travel there is today, because that's what happens. In other words, like we can't prepare for these new pandemics through, through contact tracing and testing and all, because they spread too fast. You know, but by the time they're, they're here, they're all, all over the place. And then and, and as we see, it's difficult to contain. All right, I'm running out of time. So 
you know, hope you're having a good evening and I'll see you again tomorrow. Okay, take care.